Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Um, My name is Bobby, and uh, I want to welcome you to Movement Church. If you're on the newer side, I'm the preaching minister here. And we're going through a series called Lost in Translation. And we're going through Bible words that you may know or you may not know the depth of what they mean. And um, today is a cheat code day. You know, if you're into video games, you know what I'm talking about. That means, you know, it's a code that you can get that makes the game easier. I've got a cheat code for life for you today. All right, y'all ready for this? All right, y'all ready? Uh, I'm going to tell you how to get the blessing of God. That's what we want, right? A lot of people claim to do that, but I'm going to tell you how to get the blessing of God. And so we're talking about the word uh, blessed. Uh, A few years ago now, um, when hashtags became a really popular thing on social media, uh, I guess Twitter was the first one to have hashtags, really quickly, uh, hashtag blessed became a thing. And it's on Instagram, and it's still a thing. Um, I happened to look yesterday morning on Twitter, and in that particular time I looked, 400 people in the last hour had used the hashtag still, hashtag blessed. And so, you know, like hashtag blessed and, you know, it, it's even become, first it was serious and then some people even started using it as a joke, but most people still use it as serious. It's like they're thankful for something in their life. Usually they are, um, to use another modern uh, term, I don't even know if it's still modern anymore, but they are, they're flexing, you know, they're showing, you know, I've got, look at my boat, look at my house, look at my car, look at my money, hashtag blessed. And a lot of times that's what it's revolving around. And, and so... If people say we're blessed. Now, I will tell you, I am from eastern North Carolina. You know, I, I remind some of you guys of that sometimes. And that is the real south, just, just so y'all know. Um, my daughter lives in Florida, and some of y'all have connection to Florida. But the, the earth is round. And see, today's science lesson. I want to make sure y'all know that. The earth is round. And so as you head south from North Carolina, you're actually heading back north. When you get to Florida, you're in the north again. I don't know if y'all knew that. I'm just, just cluing you in on this. I'm just cluing you in. And so when you head back down, you're getting there. But in, in North Carolina, especially in eastern North Carolina, it is definitely the south. And we have been using the word bless in a particular way that a lot of people have co-adopted. And I will tell you what it is. A lot of people, I grew up hearing for years and years and years and still say it. They say a phrase, bless your heart. And for those who are not raised in the South or just aren't familiar with that term, I want to give you a quick tutorial on the many layers and meanings. It's much like Eastern North Carolina especially, and the South I guess in general, is much like the Hebrew language. There are very many layers and levels of what a word can mean, and so you may not know, and you've got to listen to the context, and you've got to be able to read between the lines. But sometimes, see, we Southerners are often very passive-aggressive too. I don't know if y'all noticed that. I'm just, I'm giving you science, psychology, I'm giving you all this stuff today. I mean, it is free. It is free. And we are sometimes very passive aggressive. So you don't always know what we mean when we say bless your heart. But bless your heart can mean, I feel sorry for you. You know, like, you you know, like, you know, I just had a accident. My car was totaled. Oh, bless your heart. You know, and that's sincere normally when people say it. Um, And then uh, if, if somebody walks up, you know, If you walk up to uh, a lady and you hand her a bouquet of flowers, you know, a lady that you like or respect, you know, she might say, bless your heart. That's that's sweet is what she's saying. That was kind of you. That's sweet. Um, You know, uh, 
if somebody, uh, you know, if you walk up and you know, you're standing in line and you're deciding, hey, I'm going to pay cash. Cash is this paper stuff and metal stuff that people use. I don't know if y'all kids know what that is. If you're not using Apple Pay or you're not using a debit card, uh, you pay with cash. And say, okay, you're like 50 cents short and you're trying to pay with cash. The person behind you may say, oh, hey, I've got 50 cents. And so instead of saying thank you, you could say... Bless your heart. That's so kind. And so you see, you got at least three different levels. Now, there are many more, but I want to tell you the one, and I don't know, I may lose my southern card by sharing this with you guys if you aren't familiar with this. But sometimes if somebody looks at you and they they say, bless your heart, here's what they mean. You are the dumbest human being alive. I hate to tell you, but that is true. And that's actually probably a lot of times the most common meaning of what they mean. Um, You are the dumbest human being alive. You know, well, you know, I was um, driving down the highway the other day, and, you know, instead of slamming on brakes, I put my car in park doing 70 miles an hour. Oh, bless your heart, you big dummy. I mean, that's, that's what they're saying. So bless your heart can mean a lot of things. And when we consider the word blessed, uh, a lot of times, though, when we think about being blessed, we think about it in terms of financial and physical blessings, especially in the church world. But I would say even in the modern Western world, we think of blessed as financial or physical blessings. We think that um, wealth and prosperity always equals the blessings of God. Is that fair? A lot of people think that. We think that when we say that we are blessed, that means that we have the financial and physical blessings that God provides. And there's no shortage of prosperity gospel or health and wealth preachers out there. And while many times their followers are not getting rich, they are. And so people still believe it, though, when they look and they look at their bank account and they're believing in faith, but their bank account's not growing. But if they were to have access to some of the preachers, especially TV, televangelists, people on the Internet, uh, they got to look at their bank account. They would be stunned how well that teaching is working for them, just for them, though, unfortunately. And so we know that that's what a lot of us think. But the problem is, is that's dangerous if we believe that that is the way that God always blesses. And that if financial and physical blessings are the main way that we know of God is blessing us. Because I want to, when you think about it for a second, how many people have had their faith actually destroyed because real life didn't look like that? It happens more than we care to imagine and more to, more to think. We may not even know why people will lose faith and walk away from their relationship with Jesus, but oftentimes if they've been involved in that sort of culture of believing that God loves you, he's going to give you financial blessings or he's going to heal you physically from every ailment that you have and you're never going to have difficulties, then that will start to wear thin because that doesn't look like most of our real lives, does it? And so that will push people away from God because they'll start to wonder either what they've done wrong and why God doesn't love them or why God is not good anymore. And so that's dangerous. And so they didn't get rich, and so they really question. Or how about on the opposite side of the coin, the ones that seemingly do get blessed in that way, in that mindset, they get rich, they get the the jet, they have an easy life, they um, often become so comfortable that they don't even need God anymore. And they still have an attitude or an air of religious experience, but they don't really rely or need God because their life on earth is really, really great. And so why would I ever rely on God? And so you can also have from the opposite side of the coin, when people uh, do experience what they might call the blessing of God, it also damages and hurts their faith. Now, those are extremes, I've got to admit. Those are very extremes. And there's a lot of spectrum in the middle. 
But let's face it, many Western believers are much more concerned with their personal comfort, success, and life of ease than they are about the kingdom of God. That is a strong statement. Many of us, Western believers, are much more concerned with our personal comfort, success, and life of ease than we are about the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? What does the scripture say about it? Uh, in the New Testament, uh, the majority of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Uh, there's a little bit of Aramaic in there, but oftentimes it's Greek. And um, there's a couple of words that are often translated blessed. And one of them is uh, eulageo. Eulageo. It looks like eulogy a little bit when you see it uh, transliterated into English. And it literally means to speak praise or invoke blessing. I know you're not supposed to use the word to define a word, but we all kind of get the general idea. But to speak praise or invoke a blessing on people. Eulageo or uh, makarios is another word. And that is translated oftentimes blessed or happy, or well-off. And if you've read the Bible much, especially the Gospels, you've probably heard the word that's translated here, blessed, uh, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, when Jesus goes through those lists of blessed are you if you dot, 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 dot. Now, what is really interesting is that when you understand this, that oftentimes what Jesus could have been saying was, you'll be happy if you do these things or you experience these things. And that, that's pretty interesting. So I want us to dig a little bit deeper, though. We want to look at what it is. More often than not, though, when the Bible talks about someone being blessed, I hate to break this to you, it's often spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. Um, it's not merely physical, monetary, or health blessings. Um, now, here's a question. Can they be physical? Can they be monetary? Can they be material? Yes, they can. And God does. I mean, he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he'll let you borrow one sometimes. Although, I don't really want a cow except at Outback. You know, that's what I want. And got kids in here. I don't want to get too, uh, too down in the dirt. But here's the thing. They can be physical. They can be monetary. They can be material. But do things like money always equal that your life is a blessing in being blessed? No, absolutely not. Take a second and think about lottery winners. Lottery winners. Have you ever noticed or seen statistics on lottery winners and how their lives turn out? Um, I, I looked up some different statistics, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Whether they win $500 million or $1 million, about 70% of lottery winners spend or lose all the money within five years. And they end up in worse financial shape than they were before. They went up in worse financial shape than they were before. And that comes from, just so you know I'm not making it up, that comes from an article from the Reader's Digest. Yes, the Reader's Digest still exists. I found it online. I did not know it. If you don't know what that is, it's a really cool old book that we used to get, and it had jokes in it. Um, but it still exists. Another statistic that I found is 90% of winners lose friendships. 90% of the winners of lotteries lose friendships. 
There's a lot of reasons. Number one, because everybody becomes your close friend and they want all your money and they're always begging you asking for money and if you decide to not give it to them, they're going to get angry at you. But also, your standard of living increases so much, your, your, your friends who were you know, poor like you used to be, or at least not to the level of wealth that you are now, they can't do all the things that you can now afford to do and unless you pay for them, you're not going to have a lot in common. If, if you can't go to Italy and Greece together with those old friends because they can't afford it unless you pay for it. And that's another issue. And then if you win the lottery, you know, it's what people might call new money. And so people that have money from other means and, you know, maybe their families had it forever. They worked really hard and started a company. They don't respect you. And so they don't welcome you in oftentimes. And so they lose friendships and they feel alone and abandoned. And then also it's not just an American thing. In the United Kingdom, there's some studies that show this. Only 55% of winners say it made them happier to have all that money. Only 55%, only half. And you might say, well, that's a majority, but half the people who won millions and millions and millions of dollars say they are absolutely not happier at all from winning all that money. See, money, wealth, and stuff simply don't equal happiness, joy, or blessing. Now, take it a step further. The Bible often refers to difficulty, trials, and sacrifice being a blessing or leading people to be blessed. I know this is not popular. You know, in our culture, it's just not popular. But the truth is, is that more often than not, especially in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about being blessed, it usually is referring to going through difficulty and going through suffering and going through sacrifice. And so that's what I want to talk about for just a few more minutes. In Jesus, as I referred to earlier in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. We're not going to take the time to read through all that scripture, but it's Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. You can write that down. You can go back and you can double check me or you can turn and read along if you want. But I'm going to blow through these real quick. Jesus said, if you're poor in spirit, that doesn't sound fun. You know, it's realizing how messed up you are without God. That's, ultimate, that's a good paraphrase for what that means. So you realize that without Jesus, you're a sinner. That's a good thing to be, he says. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be uh, receiving good things. You mourn. Who wants to mourn? But he says, if you mourn, and I would say more often than not, it's talking about mourning because of your sin and your distance from God. But also, when you lose loved ones, you'll be blessed. Also, those who are meek, and meekness is not respected in our culture. And, and so I, we're not going to get into the details of what that is, but it's not respected oftentimes. But you'll be blessed. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness... Who wants to be, you know, I don't even know if it's a saying anymore, but, you know, Mr. Miss uh, Goody Two-Shoes? We don't want to be the one who's always trying to say, oh, let's do this the right way. But he says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be blessed. He goes on and he says uh, uh, several other things. He says, pure in heart, merciful, peacemakers, persecuted because of righteousness. Who wants to be mocked and ridiculed? And that's what it goes on next. And he says, if you uh, are reviled, which means people say ugly, mean things about you because you follow Jesus, or they persecute you, again, he's repeating it, or they lie about you, you will be blessed. How many of us want that for our life? If you're being real, if you're being honest, I'm not raising my hand. But Jesus says, if you go through these things for my name, for my sake, you will be blessed. So what's up with that Jesus? I don't understand. He says, you are blessed. 
Matthew 25, um, verse 33 through 36, it's, uh, Jesus is talking about his second coming in Judgment Day. And he says in verse 34, and it's not going to be on the screen, just listen along really quick. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the from the foundation of the world. He says to the ones who fed hungry people, welcomed in strangers, clothed naked people, visiting sick and imprisoned people. Let's be open and honest here. This is a very non-2022 list. We avoid strangers now. We're not supposed to welcome people. Uh, we definitely try to avoid naked strangers, just being honest. Um, we avoid sick people like literally the plague. You know, somebody's like, ah! Ah! you know, we can't sneeze anymore because we are terrified. Um, all these things. And don't even think about visiting prison. Who is going to go visit prison? I'll tell you really quickly, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. Uh, the first time early, early, early in my ministry days that I went to visit a prison, um, I had to tell a guy some really bad news about losing a loved one. And as I'm going there, I'm nervous about going into prison because, believe it or not, you might be shocked, but I've never done time, hard time anyway. Um, and so we're going to the prison, and he starts giving me the background of why this guy, it's the brother of this guy, is in prison. And he had really seriously hurt some people, really seriously. I'll just keep it at that for, you know, kids in the room and all that sort of stuff. But seriously, a couple of times, he had gotten out and said, oh, I'm going to do that again, and ends up going back. And so we go in, and so I'm expecting, like, TV to go in, and there's a room, and there's a bench, and there's glass, and I'm thinking we're going to sit there and talk on the phones across through the plexiglass, you know. We walk in, and there's an empty room, and there's a chair, and a chair, and a chair, and they're like, this far apart and so I'm gonna go and I realize sit down knee to knee with this guy who had done some really bad things and I want to give him bad news uh oh I was terrified it was not something that I was thrilled to do but every it went well you know we consoled him you know he was heartbroken and it was a it was a tough situation but we don't decide and like to go to prison but Jesus says if you take care of sick people if you have hospitality to strangers if you uh, you know clothe people who don't have clothing if you do all these things you will be blessed and ultimately he's talking about reward for eternity so all these things, people who do these things are blessed by the Father. So what leads to being blessed? First thing is this. You're blessed if you hear the word of God and do it. That's not fun. That's not uh, sexy to use a modern use of that word. It's not fun to think about it, but you are blessed if you hear the word and do it. See, most of us are all about hearing the word. You know, especially if you've been at church for a while, or you grew up in church. Man, we love to hear the word. We, you know, a lot of Americans have multiple, 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 multiple translations of the Bible um, all around their house. Most of them have a lot of dust, and it's like, <gasps> you like Indiana Jones and stuff just flying up off of your, your Bibles. I mean, I've been guilty of that too. And now our phone, uh, you know, will actually, you can read the Bible on your phone, and it will actually read the Bible to you. We love hearing the Word of God. Our phones will read it to us, but the doing it part, meh. I don't really want to do the stuff it says. It's going to make me look like a freak. i got to put clothes on naked people, evidently. You know, I, I've got to do all these things that are uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to do this. And Jesus says in, Matt, in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, 
Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Jesus says it again. If you hear the word of God and put it into practice, you will be all the more blessed. So let's imagine for a second. Can everybody imagine with me for a moment? Okay, let's say you go to the doctor. And, uh, and the doctor, she tells you, she says, you've got a very serious condition. You've got a very serious condition. It's not good. It is not good at all. But if you take this prescribed medication, you will recover. So you got the prescription. Instead of taking it to the pharmacy and getting it filled and taking the medicine, you take the prescription and you get it imprinted on a T-shirt and wear it around. You get it imprinted on a bumper sticker and put your prescription on the back of your bumper sticker. Is that going to make you well? No. You have to take the prescription for you to get well. But isn't that what we do with God's Word many times? We don't live it. We don't take the medicine. We don't take the prescription. But we put it on a t-shirt. We put it on a bumper sticker and expect our life to be where are we at? Blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We expect our life to be blessed, but we don't take the medicine of God's Word and put it into practice. It doesn't make sense to take a medical prescription and do that, and it doesn't make sense to take God's Word and not put it into practice. Do what it says. If you need uh, further reminding of this, James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James chapter 1, verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. He says he, you'll be blessed if you do the word of God. If you want to be blessed, hear the word and what? Do it. The next thing is this. You are blessed if you give. Also not popular. Also not popular. Um, when I was a kid... There was, uh, Sears was a store that I don't think hardly really even exists anymore, but they sent out this baller catalog that was like this thick. And they had one that was all toys. I mean, it was pre-internet, y'all. I, I know some of you kids don't even know there was a time before the internet. But this catalog was the deal. And you got it like September or October, and you start circling stuff. You start folding down pages, and you're like leaving out in front of your mom. Oh, how did that get there? You know, and it's like you, you want this stuff. It's like you are searching. You are wanting it. You are digging through it. We want to receive, but it says that you are more blessed than to give. And then I don't know if your family made, you know, siblings exchange presents. But you're like, oh, I found this piece of lint, brother. Here's your Christmas gift. But I want the big, like, huge, I, I'm really dating myself here, but the big Tonka truck, you know, that, like, you know, it's got the steam shovel in the front. You know, I want all that. But I don't want to give. But we give. If we give, we will be blessed. This is a major tension point in the life of a lot of believers. A lot of Christians, good people, don't like to give because they're scared. They have a scarcity mindset that they're never going to have enough, and they really doubt that if God's really going to provide. And he says you're more blessed if you give than when you receive. Acts 20, verse 35, we see Paul quotes Jesus in this as uh, Luke writes it all down. He says, I have been in constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Can I, can I speak some really important truth? Don't waste your life 
And kids, if y'all can understand this and you can listen, this is a good lesson for you to learn right now. Don't waste your life trying to prove this part of the Bible wrong. You'll enjoy, enjoy your life more if you trust what it says. That it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we'd be remiss if we didn't go further like Jesus did. Jesus explained even a little more further in another passage of Scripture that he says, you're blessed if you help people who can't help you in return. Because even if we like to give, a lot of times we like to give to people who are going to be able to give us a better gift. Did I just tell the truth there? You know, you, know, you give uh, somebody who's wealthy a gift because you're like, oh, they're going to pay it back. Woohoo! You know? I give them a Matchbox car, they give me a Tesla, bang, bang. You know, it doesn't work that way, but, you know, we hope. And so he says there uh, in Luke chapter 14, verse 12, uh, I'm going to just read it for you really quick. He said, also to the man who had invited him to a banquet, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus says, try not to even just do good things for people who you know can pay you back. So give and expect nothing back and you will be blessed. And you'll start to really find joy with all the stuff that you do have. And you'll be thankful for a lot of times for the stuff that you don't have. And if you thought the first few were tough, buckle up, all right? Everybody okay? Everybody got your seatbelt on? You're blessed if you suffer for righteousness. Struggle with the first few. This one's a real tough one. You're blessed if you suffer for righteousness. Everybody's Christmas wish list is to suffer for righteousness. Am I right? It's like, oh, please, let me be mocked and ridiculed. I hope that somebody eggs my car on the way out of the Target shopping center because I said, God bless you to them. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, that's what we hope for. No, that's not what we hope for at all. You know, if you're a kid and you take your Bible to school, you hope that you get laughed and ridiculed and mocked. No, no, you don't. Nobody does. If they do, they're lying. They're lying. They don't, we don't want that. We don't want to be suffering for righteousness. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed have no fear of them, nor be troubled. What he's saying is trust that God is able to help you even when everybody might be against you. So how can you be blessed? Look at the context. Verse 12 says this, right before verse 14 there. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. When we are willing to suffer for righteousness, it's like God, God hears and sees everything, but he is absolutely watching over us, and he is listening extra intently to what you have to say because he wants to give you what you need and the strength you need, and he wants to pick you up. And I'm here to tell you that people will let you down, but God never will. God never will. So you're blessed if you suffer for righteousness. And here's some more good news from that same passage in 1 Peter. It comes from verse 18. You're being like Jesus. Here's what it says. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So when you're willing to suffer because you're standing up for Jesus and loving people like he wants you to love, then you are being more like Jesus. I can't tell you enough how big of a win that is, right? You're being more like Jesus. You're blessed if you suffer. And then the next one says, you're blessed 
if you stay faithful in trials. Stand against pressure and persecution. And when life just simply stinks, when temptation comes, stand, stand strong, and you will be blessed. It might not seem like it's worth it, but stand strong when people are mocking you, when life is hard and you just wonder if God is good. Remind yourself, God is always good. And when you're tempted to sin, realize that that temporary, temporary, minor moment of pleasure is not worth the pain of hurting God Almighty's heart. Stand strong. It says in James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Hang on even when life stinks. When your job, you don't think you can take another moment. Hang on and keep shining a light for Jesus. When your family situation is rough and you just don't know if you can handle another moment, hang on and stand up and shine a light for Jesus. When you have the opportunity to take a stand for everything that God has called you to take a stand, stand up strong and be ready. Cling to Jesus when life is hard. Cling to his church when you're tempted to give in. And you will be blessed. And here's how you prepare to do that. You're blessed if you stay awake. Kind of funny I say that now because probably a lot of you are struggling with that right now. But you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if you stay awake. Now what we're talking about is spiritually alert. Spiritually alert. Keep your eyes open. Be alert to what's going on around you so you won't get caught off guard. Revelation chapter 16 verse 15 Jesus says behold I am coming like a thief you know if somebody's going to break into your house they don't call and say um hey is is uh three o'clock tomorrow morning good for you if I come in and ransack your house they don't do that right Jesus saying I'm coming when you least expect it he says blessed is the one who stays awake keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed of course family Sunday I say the word naked like eight times Um, but it's in the Bible so anyway can't help that but he says blessed if you have your eyes open and your garments on and you're ready for what life is throwing at you and here's why this is important everybody listen to me the majority of sins that we stumble and fall into they don't often catch us by surprise. Maybe the first time they might catch us off guard, but most of the time they don't catch us by surprise. We oftentimes just head down, run right into the wrong path, and we know we're doing it. And the sooner we realize that and admit that, the better we're going to be in this life and following Jesus. The majority of sins, we know exactly what we're doing. Did you guys see also in the news the past week or two um, a Jamaican zoo worker? Did you see about this guy? He was trying to get some people to film him, and he was trying to get some uh, clout on maybe TikTok or Instagram. I don't know what he was doing, but they were filming him. He goes up to the lion enclosure, and I guess it was like the holding part back behind where everybody is. And there's just a, a small cage between him and this massive lion. And he's going up, and they're all, I mean, you can see two or three people filming. You know, there's a camera in front, and they're all holding their phones up, and they're, <laughs> they're laughing. He goes up, and he puts his fingers into the lion cage. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That lion latched onto his fingers 
And what ensued for the next five seconds was the longest, most painful game of tug of war that has probably ever happened. And he's literally putting his feet on the fence, pulling, and that lion is like, Argh. he's clamped down. I'm telling you, he worked at the zoo. It wasn't just like, oh, well, bless your heart. You walk in and you're just visiting. It's bless your heart. You work there and you stick your fingers into a lion cage while the lion's sitting right there. And all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, most of us are saying, that's dumb. But how many of us sin like that? We walk up and we stick our fingers in the lion cage of the sin that we struggle with and say, I'll probably be okay this time. Chomp. And I hate to tell you, but the lion won that tug of war. We have to realize that when we know what we're getting into, we know the consequences and we need to avoid it. Avoid the temptation. Say no automatically. Run away from it. You'll be blessed if you stay awake and alert and realize what's going on. You see it coming, avoid it. So focus on this truth. It all boils down to this. You're blessed if you are forgiven by Jesus. You're blessed if you're forgiven by Jesus. The most important foundational first domino that you have to push over is getting into a relationship with Jesus. That's the, it's the first thing, but I'm saving it for last because I want you to hear it if you don't hear anything else. I want you to know that getting in a relationship with Jesus is the most important part, and that is how it says you'll be blessed. Romans chapter 4, verse 7 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And you'll be blessed if you experience that. That is where you have to begin. You can suffer. You can be right. You can be a pretty good person. But if you're not a Christian, it's nothing. Once you come to this understanding of who Jesus is and that your sin hurts him and you decide, okay, I'm ready to become a Christian, it's what, everything you need to do is run towards him and you will be blessed. You see, in Jesus, you have all the blessings that you need. Remember we talked about a lot of people think that it's money, it's monetary, it's physical stuff, it's health and wealth and all that sort of stuff. But when you are in Jesus, you have all the blessings that you need. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every... Everybody say every. every. Spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All right, I want to point out, okay, we've done psychology, we've done science. Today we're going to do grammar. Here is what it says. It says, he has blessed. What tense is that? Past tense. If you are a Christian, he has already blessed you with everything spiritually that you need already. You don't even have to go looking for more because he is enough. And so if you're forgiven by Jesus, you have been received everything, everything you absolutely need. Have you gotten everything you want? No. But sometimes our wants can hurt us, right? But if you have received Jesus, then you have everything. You've been blessed, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And here's the question, are you using those blessings? Maybe your life is in a shambles. Maybe your life sort of stinks because you're not even using the blessings that you've already been blessed with 
You're not tapping into a real relationship, into koinonia, fellowship with God and with his church. And you're saying, why does my life stink? <laughs> my mom used to sing this song to me. I complained once as a child. That's why it stands out, because it was a one-time thing. You know, it's like an allergic reaction, you know. Um, when I would get whiny and complainy about what I did not have, what I wanted, she would start to sing, Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to the garden to eat worms. And there's a whole other verse and all that sort of stuff. But she would say that, and I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, you're right, nobody likes you, everybody hates you. Yeah, and I would storm off because I wasn't mature. And how many of us have been Christians for years or months, and we are still, every time we don't get exactly what we want, we're, I'm going to go to garden eat worms. When we have every blessing that we need in Jesus, if we're going to heaven, that's all we really need. This life will be tough, and it will be tough, and there will be hard times, and you will want to quit, and you want to give up. But cling to Jesus because he is all you need. He is all you need. So here's the truth that we want to sort of think about. We skipped over the Old Testament. And blessed is a very Old Testament word, but I did that on purpose. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And it comes from, uh, the word blessed often translated is from a Hebrew word, barak. Or barach. And it literally can be translated bless, salute, curse, or praise. And so that also is another southern word. I learned something there preparing for this message because, you know, if somebody uh, uses bad language towards you, sometimes people say they bless them out. I guess that's where they came from because it can also mean curse. But here's what I want you to do. Understand, this is, this is eye-opening for me, is that the word for blessed in the Old Testament literally comes from an ancient, 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 ancient word. And you thought the Bible was ancient, but, uh, you know, an ancient, ancient word that literally means to kneel. Or, more specifically, it means to break down, as in break down your knees and get down. Isn't that eye-opening? Here, let, me, let me connect the dots for you. Brokenness leads to blessing. And that is against everything our world and our minds and our culture will tell us. They'll say, no, if you are blessed, that means you've got stuff. You are blessed, you've got money. You are blessed, you've got perfect health. But what God has intended is to understand is that we need to learn that brokenness is what leads to blessing. The story of Jacob, who later has his name changed to Israel... We see him one night when his name was changed, wrestling with God. It's a strange story where God comes down in a, in a human-like form of some sort and wrestles with Jacob all night long. It goes on all night. And you have to know that God was sort of taking it easy on him. But, you know, you know he could have DDT'd him and all sorts of stuff many times over. But he's just hanging on. They're wrestling. They're going all night long. And Jacob is never giving up. He's holding his own. And then God says to him in Genesis 32, verse 26, just listen really well. He said, let me go, for the day has broken. It's daytime. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God did bless him. 
But just before this happened, God had touched his hip socket and dislocated his hip. And so what's beautiful about this, what's amazing about this, is that in this one little brief account, this one little brief story, God uses both meanings for the word bless here. He blessed him and spoke truth and future good things over his life, but he also gave him a limp. He also broke him down a little bit and caused him to bend the knee, to kneel before him. God had blessed him both with meaning, both meanings of the word. He spoke good and truth and he broke him. And here's what I need you to know and here's what I need to know. That the blessing of God sometimes comes in our brokenness. And it comes in our breaking. It can be painful. It can be scary. It can seem hurtful. And sometimes we wonder, it's like, why, God? Why are you allowing this hard stuff? But through all of our pain and the trials of this life, God is providing a blessing. And when we realize that we need him and that he can use us in our brokenness, that's when we truly become a blessing to other people. That's when we truly become a blessing in ways that we could never imagine. God can take your burdens and turn them into blessing. And here's what I want you to think. And I want you to realize. Your story, in all of its bumps and bruises and brokenness and good times and bad times, can change people's eternities by the gospel. Maybe you've been holding on to your story and your pain, and maybe you've been a little bit angry with God because you believe that blessing's always good things, and it's always money, and it's always health and wealth, and it's always da-da-da-da-da. Maybe today is the day that you realize that all these trials that I've been bringing through, God was just trying to teach me that I don't need anybody or anything else but Him and Him alone first. And maybe today is the day that you realize that He is enough and that knowing him is the blessing in itself and then it all all your brokenness is not for nothing and that God is going to take your story and he's going to change somebody else's life through it if you'll just open up your mouths and tell it your brokenness can lead to blessing but you got to be in him if you know that you need Jesus, let's fix that problem today. Let's get in Jesus. If you believe in him and you're willing to turn from your life of sin, that's repentance. If you're willing to say that he alone is king, that's confession. You meet him in baptism where he forgives your sin. He gives you his Holy Spirit and he gives you every blessing that you've ever needed. And then you're raised up to walk in this new life. And every day it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Because through all the good times and all the bad times, God is going to take your brokenness and he's going to use it to bless not only you, but other people. So here's two things you can do. Give your life to Jesus if you need to. Or maybe what you need to do today is say, God, how will my story bless other people and help them get to know who Jesus is? stay in the same. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.